Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. Psychedella, there's a kind of cockle shell about you. Barbarella, Barbarella, mm, dazzle me with rainbow color, fade away the duller shade of living. Get me up high, teach me to fly, electrify. Above the stratosphere, bring your dearness near till the dawn comes tumbling down. Don't make a sound. Every word we need comes from the sky. Can't you read my mind? Say it Oh, you give me a cold shoulder. Still, I'm dying, girl, to hold you and make love. Barbarella, Barbarella. Why, that's gotta be the swankiest tune in all the galaxy. Hi there, welcome to the 16th moon of Science Factual, the show that dives into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. I'm your host, Reese Hendrick, and today we're likely gonna end up in horny space jail as we take a peep at the 1960s sci-fi classic, Barbarella. Barbarella. It's the topic of every nerd's dreams come true as a suggestion from guest comedian and host of the Northwest Comedy Hour on Shady Pines Radio, Emily June. We met up to chat about the iconic film, comedy, and life. Plus, you'll get to hear a hilarious set from Emily at the Helium Comedy Club here in Portland to wrap up the episode. But before we leave our solar system for Tau Ceti by way of 60s special effects, you should heed this extra sexy... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Because experiencing this film for yourself is definitely the move, a la Barbarella experiencing the excessive machine, or rather breaking it. Sort of nice, isn't it? So pause the episode now if you haven't tripped out on this sexy space epic and come back once you've had the chance to enjoy it, if you know what I mean. You can find the free version at archive.org. It's a little cumbersome to navigate the archive, so you may want to just Google search Archive Barbarella, and it should come up. But don't hold me to that, since much like my own life, I have zero control over the internet. Alrighty, we've got our mission. We're dressed in our sexiest space garb, and I'm ready to dive right on in to this background on the film. By the way, I'm still a little sick, hence sounding all gunked up, so yeah, send me some soups or something.
Barbarella is a 1968 science fiction film directed by Roger Vadim, and I'm saying it that way because he's French, and because it's based on the French comic series of the same name by Jean-Claude Forrest. Forrest? He's also French. The film stars Jane Fonda as the titular character, a space traveler and representative of the United Earth government sent to find scientist Durand Durand, who has created a weapon that could destroy humanity. This was Jane Fonda's only science fiction movie. She was initially unsure of the film, but was convinced by director Roger Vadim, and I'm switching to Roger now, who declared that science fiction was a rapidly evolving genre. He'd be right. The cast also includes John Philip Law as Pygar, Anita Pallenberg as the Black Queen, and Joan Greenwood as the voice of the great tyrant of Sogo, Marcel Marcot as Professor Ping, Milo O'Shea as Durand Durand, David Hemmings as Dildano, awesome name, then there's Ugo Tognazzi, unfortunate last name, as Mark Hand, and Claude Dauphin as the President of Earth. The film's awesome soundtrack, completed by composer-producers Bob Crew and Charles Fox, has been described as lounge or exotica. Crew was known for composing 1960s songs such as the Four Seasons' Big Girls Don't Cry. Some of the music is credited to the Bob Crew Generation, a group of session musicians who contributed to the soundtrack. In fact, David Gilmour, guitarist of Pink Floyd, was one of the session musicians who performed the movie's original score. Crew invited the New York-based group The Glitter House, whom he knew through his production work, to provide vocals for the songs. Crew reflected on the soundtrack in his autobiography, saying that it clearly needed to have a fun and futuristic approach to it, with 60s music sensibility. Barbarella opened in New York on the 11th of October 1968 and earned $2.5 million in North American theaters that year. It was the second most popular film in general release in the United Kingdom in 1968 after The Jungle Book. The film was shown in Paris that month and was released in Italy on the 18th of October. It was released on the 25th of October throughout France where it was distributed by Paramount. Barbarella received a condemned rating from the National Catholic Office for Motion Pictures, which called the film a, quote, sick, heavy-handed fantasy with nudity and graphic representations of sadism, end quote, and criticized the production code administration for even approving it. Well, isn't that special? Following the success of Star Wars, Paramount theatrically re-released the film in 1977. For this release, which was referred to in promotional materials as Barbarella Queen of the Galaxy, the scenes of nudity were removed, while the original European version had the nudity intact and in full glory. All costumes in the film, including Fonda's, which we'll get into during the upcoming interview with Emily, were designed by French costume designer Jacques Fonteray and manufactured by Sartoria Ferrani, with Barbarella's costume in the final scenes being, as the credits put it, quote, inspired by ideas of fashion designer Paco Rabanne. Barbarella's outfits were Fonteray's interpretation of Forest Vision, combining Orientalist and medieval aesthetics with samurai armors. Comic book creator Forrest also worked on the film's production design and was credited in the film as its, quote, artistic consultant. Before filming Barbarella, Fonda was the subject of two sex scandals, the first when her nude body was displayed across an eight-story billboard promoting the premiere of Circle of Love in 1965, and the second when several candid nude photos from Vadim's closed set for The Game Is Over were sold to Playboy the following year. Vadim is quoted as saying that he did not want the actress to play Barbarella as tongue-in-cheek, and he saw the character as, quote, just a lovely average girl with a terrific space record and a lovely body. 
I'm not going to intellectualize her. Although there is going to be a bit of satire about our morals and our ethics, the picture is going to be more of a spectacle than a cerebral exercise for a few way-out intellectuals. Fonda felt her priority for Barbarella was to keep her innocent. The character is, quote, not a vamp and her sexuality is not measured by the rules of our society. She's not being promiscuous, but she follows the natural reaction of another type of upbringing. She's not a so-called sexually liberated woman either. That would mean rebellion against something. She's different. She was born free. All right, let's cue up some psychedelia vibes for some facts about the film after this interview with guest Emily June. The triple nickel? Oh, yeah, it's like... I've heard of double nickels on the dime, but not the triple... I don't know quite what a triple it's, nickel infers. It, dry, it draws quite the crowd. Yeah? A lot of 20-something-year-olds. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. We'll just stay still and hope that it's okay. Well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm also pretty quick with it, so we could maybe skirt on yeah, out of here. Yeah, you know? like, you know, just, you know how Portland is. You know, there may or may not be a shooting at any point. Yeah, or a stabbing <laughs> or a protest. Yeah. You just don't know what's going to happen. You don't. No, Portland's been changing. There's been a lot of hit and runs recently. There's, It's just... Uh, it's getting crazy, and that's that's why we need more comedy in our lives. So definitely check out the Northwest Comedy Hour yeah, on yeah. Shady Pines Radio. Yeah, yeah. And the voice that you hear other than my own, that's Emily June. That's the host of that radio show. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing live recordings now. Awesome. I, I'm doing Low Lit Brewing this Tuesday at 1 o'clock, so listen in for that. It'll be my first pre-recorded show. So, yeah, do that. Very cool. And it's it's Tuesdays, right? Yeah, on Shady Tuesdays. Pines? Yeah, and then come see my variety show this Saturday. It's called Ha Ha Variety Show at Stardate Tavern on Saturday. And do that. Nice. And since we're doing all the plugs up the top. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, no, that's good. No, I'm fine. Let's get out of the way. Uh, what's your Instagram, too? Uh, EmilyJune87. Okay. I'm on there sometimes. Sure. But you post things about, you know, yeah, shows and, and stuff. Yeah, stuff like and yeah. about what's going on. The but, Instagrams. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So, Emily, before we get into Barbarella, which is why we're here, uh, let me ask you, how did you get started in stand-up comedy? Um, because I was really depressed and I wanted to blow my brains out. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good reason to get started. Honestly, yeah. that was it. I was really, really depressed and I was thinking about it and it at all and I lost my band and I, I hurt my leg and I was pretty down and out living by myself and I did a couple open mics when I first moved here 10 years ago and I don't know what made me want to do it, but I just... I don't know, looked up some open mics on Google that were happening, and I went to my father's place, and then I met Kyle Adams and Chris Hudson, and then they invited me with them to the midnight mic after that, and then that's been doing it since then. Yeah, so it kind of kind of fell together kind of serendipitously after that, and it's, uh, you know, it's like, as corny as it sounds, you know, it kind of saved me at that point in time, you know? Not like, at all. I mean, well, first off, two solid people to meet in the community. Uh, shout out to both chris and kyle but yeah um yeah i mean that that is kind of like what the foundation of this comedy community is all about is especially here in portland we have a pretty good focus on mental health yeah and comedy yeah and it yeah. was it was good because i could take i like made jokes about my loneliness and you know like saving hugs for later to masturbate to and stuff and i was able to like transmute my like which was funny because that joke comes from like a severe severe loneliness that i had you know what i mean I, like nobody like you know 
not a lot of people understand what it's like to go a year or longer without even being held, and so that's where that joke came from. And so, you know, I, I just, it helps. Yeah, it definitely did. I started going to the therapy and stuff after that, but yeah, doing stand-up really did pull me out of a really dark place I was in, that's for sure. So Yeah, I think that people turn to comedy, you know, kind of... Well, first off, I, if you're doing comedy, I think it's a great way to let out some of those dark inner moments because people can relate to them so much. So I, I think it's interesting how a lot of people's fo like voyage into comedy was born out of depression, just because like we seek out. Yeah, I guess like, we, we make people laugh. <laughs> so that's how I got. That's how I got into comedy, and I, I still, I still like it, you know. And it's kind of nice because I'm like dipping my toes back into music again too. So oh, that's great. Yeah, and now I have a variety show where I have both music and comedy, so I, I really like it. I'm able to like take the most talented people I know from both worlds and combine them together. I think that's kind of cool. We went to Shady Pies Festival, not yeah. together, but well, I guess we did go together the first day. We, were we, there. we arrived together. We arrived. <laughs> we, we, I got, Reese gave me a ride. Yeah. Well, we, and you know, like Shady Pines has a lot of fun people there. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, music and comedy have that shared, uh, you know, heart of expressiveness. Yes. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, yeah, and I knew Brian and Kelly back from when they like they were a big fan of my band. I used to be in called Doctor Sass and the Medicine. Nice. Yeah, oh, I knew cool. them before I didn't Shady Pines that. was even a thing. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, cool. So kind of really going back with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very neat. So I, that was going to bring me to my next question: Is how did you get started with Shady Pines? And you already answered. Well, so, so. I actually he said they were looking for DJs, and I was like, yeah. right when I just first started getting into comedy, kind of like I was only in a few months, and I was like, well, you guys should have one where you guys play like local stuff. And I started it off, I started off the radio show, like, having co-hosts and stuff, and that was fun. But, like, I kind of struggle mentally a lot. It's a lot to have a guest co-host every week if I'm, like, going through shit or what's happening, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I just can't, you know what I mean? So I, Sure. I, yeah, I just life in itself is taxing. Yeah, so I've just sure, been yeah. recording, like, live shows, and I just want to play live shows. And I might go, I might have a guest host here and there, but I kind of, I'm kind of more just, like, recording and promoting right now i'm kind of just kind of staking with my variety show too i'm just kind of taking a little step back a little bit like i'm still doing a little bit of comedy still doing a show here and there but i'm just kind of i don't know taking a bit of a breather a little bit yeah refocusing on what yeah you know, and then like just other things, sure, yeah course, at so. the same time just shining a light on people so yes yeah, so i'm like doing live recordings which i think is pretty cool to listen to a live recording from a portland like a local portland comedy show yeah i agree that's pretty cool yeah yeah i'm sure it entices people to go out and see one yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. Well, cool. So what was your first exposure to science fiction? Okay, so actually, Barbarella, I, I, when you ask what... So Barbarella is probably the earliest sci-fi movie I remember watching besides Dune. Wow. And my brother was 10 years older than me. And my brother and sister are both like 10, 12 years older than me. And my brother, I would always be ripping apart his Star Wars figurines, which would probably be worth a fortune uh. right now if I didn't. <laughs> Up yeah. when I was around four or five oh, years man, old. That does hurt a little bit. Yeah, I would I really like to snap the rubber bands. Mm, okay. Was... Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. They, my brother really liked to watch Dune, and I looked like Dune, like the, the little girl from oh, Dune. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, oh, man. Um, I, I can't think right now. My but brother yes, and sister would make me say that line over and over again, like, my brother is coming with many warriors. And I guess when <laughs> I was little, I could say it just like her. 
Pretty so, pretty on point. So they would get stoned. <laughs> and they would have me say that over and over again. Nice. And then uh, my dad watched the cheesy sci-fi flicks. Like, he would... Not cheesy, but he would watch, like, Alien and then, like, a bunch of other stuff. Alien's not cheesy. No, but he would watch, like... B-movie stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is weird, because Sigourney Weaver actually looks a lot like my mom when she was younger. Which is weird. Hey, but, hot mom. Yeah, but, like... <laughs> Yeah, so my my dad liked to watch, like, the B-rated sci-fi flicks. Like, that's all he watched, pretty much. He still, he watched that pretty much all the time. Like, anytime I was home, he was always watching B-rated horror flicks. Or not horror flicks, but sci-fi. So, yeah, so I have a little bit of a... I'm not, like, crazy into sci-fi like some other people are, but I definitely was raised around sci-fi. I was definitely raised around, you know, like, Star Trek, Star Wars, Dune, you know, and Barbarella. Excellent staples all. I mean... yeah. Bar- yeah, Barbarella is one that I saw when I was in college. Like, I did that run of all of the 60s and 70s sci-fi movies because it's different than... It- they hit different than 80s movies. Like, you kind of got to stop hard at, like, 1978 when it comes to action sci-fi movies. And, like, anything before... So, like, the decade or two before then was really, like, the golden age of corny sci-fi. Yeah. And Barbarella really hits home with me on that simply because, like... All of the trippy visuals that are, like, basically food coloring and water. Yeah. And, or a lava lamp being, you know, like, released onto people. Uh, like, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I think that I or just... the shag I'm fur so interior. I'm so happy to re-watch it because I honestly love the lava lamp. Like, the, like that movie lacks for nothing. Like, I, honestly, like... It's fantastic. I Don't get me wrong. Effects, I'm not knocking on it Special sure. effects yeah. that they can take away from a movie sometime. Like, I'm in t- I was totally enjoying the spaceship with just, like, a lava lamp because... Yeah. It doesn't matter because you know what's going on. The, the story is still being told, even if you're, like, looking at a lava lamp, which she's trying to, like, turn the knobs and, like, figure out her spaceship and stuff. Well, it's and it's so funny because she's like, oh, there must be something wrong with it. Like, like now we have to consider because nerds are, like, hypercritical. They're like, oh, well, you didn't consider this component of, like, the physics of space and whatever. Yeah. Back then it was like, fuck the physics of space. She's on a wire, clearly, in that opening scene, right? Like dangling from a wire undressing herself and what is purportedly zero gravity she might have been laying sideways on the ground Uh, on like a blue screen like proto blue screen where they like like, maybe i don't i think they had it with like like string it's almost more creative (laughs) they um however they pulled it off i mean you know for the time i'm sure people were like oh awesome plus jane fonda's rack i mean like yeah so, should we get into a synopsis of this thing? Yeah, let's like, do it. Let's, let's jump do into it. it. Let's jump into it. Because, you know, that first scene is so bad, it's amazing. And it marks the first of several wardrobe changes yeah. throughout the movie. I'm pretty sure she has, like, seven outfits. I marked them in throughout yeah, the synopsis. Yeah, and that costume designer was, like, known for putting weird stuff in his clothes. So, mm. yeah, Jacques or something. But, yeah. yeah, he was... Like, having one transparent... Or, like, putting metal yeah. or glass and right. stuff. So, like, it's also... I think the... Yeah, the costume design has also made a huge part, made a big difference in that movie. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's almost like a burlesque scene. Right? Totally. Which it I, has It has that vibe, for which, sure. Which, uh, I actually... I used to be, uh, like, a dancer at the Kit Kat, and I used to have, like, this astronaut routine. And oh, very much based it off Jane Fonda. Yeah, I Very love, cool. It's very classy the way her stuff just gets, like take it off piece by piece almost mm-hmm. like a burlesque performance yeah totally without yeah. it being a burlesque performance like like in almost like an innocent kind of way yeah she's just doing it for herself yeah just floating in zero g yeah 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 oh my gosh i love how like like before you get the synopsis i love how the movie combines both like sexuality and innocence together 
Do you yes. know what I mean? Which I really, really like a lot. She purportedly loses her virginity to the Iceman, right? Yeah, like, I mean, but like, she's, you, like, so chill about, about it. Right. She's like, oh, I, she I guess we could do it She doesn't have any of the emotional hang-ups right. or none of that. She's just yeah. like, this is so barbaric. <laughs> okay. All right. So, in an unspecified feature, space adventurer Barbarella is sent by the Earth's president, for some reason, to retrieve Durand Durand from the Tau Ceti planetary system. Durand is the inventor of a laser-powered weapon, the Positronic Ray, which Earth's leaders fear will cause mass destruction. Barbarella crash lands on Tau Ceti's 16th planet and is knocked unconscious by two children that she finds there. They ride this ridiculous ski sled attached to some sort of ice manta ray? That was like yeah. the, that was the most ridiculous creature I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. To the wreckage of a spaceship where they bind and attack her using mechanical dolls with razor-sharp teeth. <laughs> so creepy. Like what, like, what the fuck is going on here? Barbarella is rescued by Mark Hand, the catchman who patrols the ice looking for errant children. Because I guess truancy is a big problem on the 16th planet of Tau Ceti. Yeah. Hand tells her that Durand is in the city of Sogo and offers her a ride to her ship in his ice boat, which is pretty rad. When Barbarella offers to repay him, Hand asks her to make love to him. Hmm. Barbarella is confused since Earthlings no longer have intimate physical contact, which sucks. I mean, I hope that that doesn't happen, right? Like, that's one of the best parts about life is, is fucking. Well, it's primitive. Ah. <laughs> Sign me up to be a caveman, then. Uh, instead, they take pills until full rapport is achieved, whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, Hand suggests having sex in his bed instead. Barbarella slightly relents and enjoys it, but admits that she understands why sex is considered primitive and distracting on Earth. Afterwards, she adorns her third outfit change of the movie. Yeah. Barbarella leaves the planet and crashes into a labyrinth inhabited by outcasts exiled from Sogo, at which point she changes into her fourth outfit. She's found by Pygar, a blind angel who has lost the will to fly. Yeah. Yeah, which, suppression. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, he's Absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous yes. angel. Pygar introduces her to Professor Ping, who offers yeah. to repair her ship. Pygar then flies Barbarella to Sogo, a den of violence and debauchery, but only after she restores his will to fly by having sex with him. And apparently angel sex is the top. Well, it wasn't just that. He also saved her life. That's from true. From the leather man. Yes. So it was both of those things, I think. That is very true. Good point. Uh, also, she changes into her fifth outfit. Pygar and Barbarella are captured by Sogo's Black Queen and her concierge. The concierge describes... Yeah? That black queen is so hot. Oh, yeah. The tyrant? The absolutely. Tyrant. Oh. I would absolutely serve in her court. <laughs> um, the concierge describes the Mathmos, a living energy in liquid form powered by evil thoughts and used as an energy source in Sogo, which sits atop it. Pygar endures a mock crucifixion, and Barbarella is placed in a cage where hundreds of birds prepare to attack her. She's rescued by Dildano, awesome name leader of the local underground, who joins her in her pursuit of Durand. Such a ridiculous password they come up with, too. Like, I, I'm not even going to lend fair, quiggle, oh, giggle, yeah. gory, chewy, rindable awance. It was meant to be weird. The fact that she says it back to him accurately, I wonder how many takes that took. Yeah. Also, I love how when every time she ends up in a deathly scenario, like, it's always things that peck away at her clothes, whether it's the chewing dolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or, or the, the birds. birds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a reason why this is heralded as the best sexploitation science fiction it's film. An ero I mean, it's erotic sci-fi. Yeah, oh, definitely. For sure. Erotic sci-fi. It's quite possibly the horniest sci-fi. Yeah. Dildano then gives her an invisible key to the Black Queen's Chamber of Dreams, where she sleeps. 
After returning to Sogo, but not before hopping into her sixth costume, Barbarella is promptly recaptured by the concierge while consuming Essence of Man, which I'm assuming tastes just awful. Well, it was this dude in the water. In a punch bowl, yeah. Like and they were, they, were, they were hookah smoking like, his essence. Oh, duh, so fuck, I'm peeking right now. <laughs> Holy shit. Am I at Shady Pines Festival, bro? Like, what is happening right now? There's definitely, like, Shady Pines Festival vibes in there. But yeah, he takes her to the excessive machine. Yes, sure does. The ex-sex... Excessive? Excessive machine. Okay. It is excessive, for sure. He places her in that excessive machine, which induces fatal sexual pleasure. <laughs> she outlasts the machine. She breaks the machine. She breaks it. She's she too makes much it go haywire. Woman, and, like, there was two dead ladies in the back just laying there. <laughs> 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 Which I didn't notice until I watched it this time. So is that just, true? Yeah, if you look to the right, there's two ladies on the floor that get like, look, out. Like, I did not notice that. that. Like, I'm gonna have to go back and look. So like, uh, like just to prove that she actually broke the machine. Like other women have been killed, but but she's such a such a hornball or whatever that like she broke the fucking machine. Anyway. Well. <laughs> The concierge, or rather Duran Duran, we find out, his equipment just couldn't handle a newly emerging sexually confident woman. No. <laughs> and she just, I think it just spoke to her moxie. Yeah, and she's like, do you this, feel no shame? No, she's like, hell no, I'm fucking... This is awesome. Let's go. Oh, wow, the power of a sexually liberated female will break things. My God. <laughs> Barbarella's surprised that it's Duran, since he's only 25 years old, but has aged tremendously, a side effect of the mouthmost. During Barbarella's seventh wardrobe change, Durand explains that he wants to overthrow the Black Queen and become Sogo's new leader, which requires using his positronic ray and gaining access to the Queen's Chamber of Dreams. Durand takes Barbarella to the chamber and locks her inside with the invisible key and drops a ridiculous laugh on the way out. Like, it sounds like, you remember Seth Green when he runs away in Goldmember? <laughs> Scotty! <laughs> Scotty! Scotty, take it down a notch. It's creeping a bit. Or he has like that, oh, yeah. like that really like like weird, desperate laugh. It yeah. kind of it I feel like he may have sourced this laugh from Duran Duran for the inspiration behind that one. Yeah. Anyway, I'll have to ask Seth Green the next time I never meet him. <laughs> she sees the queen, who warns that if two people are in the chamber, the Mathmos will devour them. Yeah. Duran seizes control of Sogo as Dildano and his rebels begin their attack on the city. The Black Queen retaliates by releasing the Mathmos to destroy Sogo, which I guess involves opening up a lava lamp. Yeah. Again, those special effects, but they are very endearing. I do have a special place in my heart, that yeah. kind of 60s style, let's just put food coloring in water. <laughs> <laughs> because of Barbarella's innocence, the Mathmos forms a protective bubble around her and the Black Queen and safely expels them. They find Pygar, who clutches them in his arms and flies off while the dopest 60s lounge music score. The soundtrack for this movie is fantastic. The opening song, the Barbarella, you are on an adventure, whatever it is, yeah. is, is fucking amazing. I love it. I was kind of confused at the end, though, because oh, yeah. she asked him why he saved the tyrant. Yeah. And his answer was, because angels have no memory. Which, <laughs> no, makes, oh which it makes zero fucking sense. No, like, right? wait, if you don't have memory, then, like, how'd you know? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, thank you. It, it, is, it is the worst cop out ending ever. Also, what? the song it says to look in the eyes of an angel is to look in the eyes of love. 
again, what the actual fuck the sixties? You know what I well, mean? Like, I what are these lyrics? When, it, like when she, when the, when the tyrant, she asked him to make love to her. He's like, mm. so an angel cannot make love. An angel is love. Right. So, but also he doinked Barbarella. I or was it just the transference of angel I love? I think that was just communication he issues. Just, just tickled her with a feather. Is that what's going on? I mean, yeah. look, you know, whatever gets you off. Uh, no, there's actually there's no actual end to the story. They just fly off. There, there's no like. I assume. Do, do they regain control of Sogo? Do they go and fuck off back to I, Earth? I, like what? What, I what happens? Assume because he said that the that the ship that there he because because uh -huh. uh, Professor Ping, Ping yeah fixed her ship, but they all got evaporated by the positronic ray. Yeah. So I assume. You know, they just got I in her ship and went back to, to Earth. I assume they find their ship and went back to Earth, because otherwise the whole Earth is, because uh, she, because what happened at the end also is the tyrant, you know, she pulled the levers to, because because she got trapped to make the, the Mathmus, which was, which is this goo that lives below the city that lives off evil and evil vibes, which is why. Maybe we have that underneath Portland. Is that what's going on? E yeah. <laughs> This is a sea of P2P meth water, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so she unleashed that onto their world, ended up getting devoured by the Mathbiss. So if they didn't find the ship... And leave. Then they die. Right. <laughs> I mean, but then also, again, though, every time Jane Fonda comes in contact with the Mathmus, it if forms a bubble. Right, but because of her be innocence. Eat. They're either going to, like, be yes. weirdly living on a bubble floating on the Mathmus, or they found the ship and went back home. Yeah, either it's, way, it's, it's one of the two. We're thinking they had an epic three-way. I mean, oh, for sure, there yes. There was a three-way that happened. There had to have been. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I guess we'll never know, because despite multiple attempts at remakes... Uh, There's going to be a remake. Yeah. It's cool, because a lot of people don't know about Barbarella. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, for, for the also, longest time, we thought that we would never that know. That movie is so cool that you don't want, like, you know, you don't want it to be fucked with. You're just like, ah, that was pretty epic. Maybe we just could leave that alone and let it be a cool 60s sci-fi movie. Do we have to remake everything? Yeah, so I, I guess in that respect, this one isn't a sequel. It is a remake with Sydney Sweeney, yeah. Yeah, and so, so, Sydney Sweeney, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Jane Fonda doesn't necessarily endorse it, but that's for good reason, I think, for the reason that you just laid out, which is that, yeah. you know, like, let it live Either as way, its own entity. You know, it could be good, it could be that. Either way, I'll always have a soft spot for the original. But there's some things, there was actually some social stuff that I thought the original, like, I think the labyrinth with the leather man how like when he blasts him off he's she's like there's no one in there it's like yeah it's just an empty shell mm. and i think that was like kind of a metaphor for like you know like people who are like you know abusive military or cops or work for the government and they're just like hollow shells or sure whatever. absolutely just enforcing the status quo or tyranny of the yeah oppressor. that was like yeah. tyranny so i was like oh that's cool well and the fact that innocence isn't connected with sexuality i think is another main like yeah i think know, that like, was the perfect like sexual liberation because she was naive and innocent in a way because she was just used to taking the transference pills or whatever they guess they rarely use and so she like liked sex and was excited about it and like you know she was so sexually excited about it and liberated that she broke the damn excessive machine <laughs> <laughs> she was supposed well, to be getting tortured and like when you have that was... much pent up 
orgasm yeah. potential. Yeah, because the 60s were very much a time about sexual liberation. And so, so I so. think that was, that's a pretty good one. I hope if they remake it, I hope they put that in there because there's this whole new age spirituality movement now where they're saying like, you shouldn't have like sex because the bad energy will like get stuck in your lower chakra and da 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 and you'll blah 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 and you're like a sponge for energy and oh. I, I it's like this it's the same it's the same thing as like christian dogma you know what i mean but like just with new age crystal folks now you know instead of like taking on someone's energy maybe i'll absorb their power like a succubus like i don't <laughs> hey look there are worse things that have happened in history. Yeah, yeah, but I like the I like the I like the sexual liberation, and I also I wonder if Jane Fonda if she broke the excessive machine if she also breaks her vibrators at home just just out of one. I hope so. I I would I just, assume. I'm wondering if she has that effect on all on all machines of that of that magnitude. I'm gonna go with a yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with a yes on that. Also, one last thing on the way out. Speaking of wardrobe changes, I, I mentioned seven of them throughout the synopsis. Yeah. Also, the outfit that she's wearing in the poster for the movie does not actually appear in the film, really. Huh. And a, a variation of it does, but not that one that she's wearing. Yeah. And also, Pygar has no wings in the promo poster. Weird. And he never loses his wings in the course of the story. Just the will to fly. So, Maybe like, the fact just... that, it, like, I just don't under, like, they didn't want to have the angel imagery associated with the sci fi component. Because it may that have That was like, probably it. They, they would have yeah. said the Christians. Mayhaps. Or they would have uh, scared away some of the sci fi nerds. Yeah. Well, that was Barbarella. <laughs> Quite a ride. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad, like we said, I'm glad they didn't make a sequel. I'm, I, I'm dubious about the, you know. Yeah. Uh, remake but we'll see yeah yeah well labyrinth was a cool place to party hell yeah i just i just didn't want to be consumed by the walls of the labyrinth yeah yeah that didn't set that didn't seem so i thought it was interesting that the people who weren't evil got casted away to the labyrinth i thought that was interesting yeah well it, it kind of took the uh status quo of what we would consider a normal society and switched it on its head it was like a sci-fi sodom and gomorrah almost you know oh. yeah yeah that's exactly what it was like oh hmm. yeah okay all right all right so Emily, let me ask you this: What's coming up in your comedy and radio schedule? Like, so we, I know that we can. What, on what time on Tuesdays is Northwest Comedy Hour? Uh, one o'clock. One o'clock on Tuesdays. Yeah, I'll have my first pre-recorded episode on Tuesday. Yeah, it'll be a live recording of Low Lit Brewing, which is a comedy show I did a couple weeks ago, and it was a really like a really full room, and that kicked ass. Actually, nice. it was really really nice. And nice. That, it was going really well until I missed that clown party, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> Nickel for every time I miss a clown party. The clown parties you don't go to, goddammit. But no, it was a good, <laughs> it was a good, it was a good show. So I'm gonna play that one. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm really excited about my variety show. And if the first two go well, then I have a permanent spot at uh, Stardate Tavern. So then I can have three comics from Portland go on every show, three to four. Awesome. That's a great way for people who don't normally go to comedy shows and aren't familiar with the portland comedy scene to be introduced totally yeah go out go out and meet them meet a comedian in the wild outside outside of uh these shows you can also go to laughspdx.com for all of the stuff regarding you know shows and mics they're all listed there on a weekly basis so definitely go and check that out that's yeah. how i found out about comedy in portland so there's a ton of resources available portland's an awesome town for comedy and thank you for covering it it's awesome that like you have like a whole show about it on shady pines yeah 
yeah. It's like you can listen to like live local homegrown comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Do it in your underwear. Yeah. Roll, roll up a fucking baseball bat and hang out in your living room and yeah. laugh your ass off with people that you might go and be able to get a beer with. Yeah, and uh, this Saturday, um, February 4th, I'm going to be having variety shows. I've got Brett Sisson's Wild Ride. He has a whole like projector screen. He plays the piano. He tells stories with pictures. It's freaking hilarious. Oh, fun. Um, I've got a penis puppet show <laughs> going on. I've got uh, Cameron Strong, Adam Posse, Sabrina wow. Contreras. Yes. Um, solid lineup. And then I've got Taco Tapes finishing out the night. So please come support my show so that I can keep doing it. Yes, please do. At EmilyJune87 on the Instagrams. Uh, you can follow Northwest Comedy Hour on Shady Pines yeah. Radio. And I got Johnny Franco next month. So Hell please, yeah. So if you can't make this one, then come up to the next one. It's every first Saturday. So... Hell yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for joining me, Emily. It's always awesome to hang yeah. out with you and talk yeah, about and everything. Yeah, from... because the movie's yeah. awesome, and there's, like, sadistic kids with dolls that, like, eat her and stuff, and, like, it's really cool story about this chick who's high, she, like, likes to get sex and stuff, and she's, like, trying to, like, save Earth and stuff, and Duran Duran is evil, and he... It's just a great movie. You should just watch it and stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so. that's that that makes it a ten out of ten review in my book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see, all right, Emily? Okay, goodbye. Always great meeting up with Emily. She's a thoughtful and talented human, so definitely go check out her stuff and stick around to hear some jokes out of her too at the end of the episode. But for now, let's shift gears into some facts about No, Duran Duran. We're talking about Barbarella. Although Duran Duran does make an appearance off the bat, being that their name was derived from character Durand Durand. They even have a track called Electric Barbarella, which we'll play after Emily said a little bit later. The source French science fiction comic book by Jean-Claude Forest was first serialized in the French publication V Magazine in the spring of 1962. Barbarella was then published as a series of four graphic novels between the years 1962 and 1982. When the collected strips were published as a standalone book in 1964, a scandal ensued when it was deemed pornographic even though it was, at best, slightly erotic. The book caught the attention of producer Dino De Laurentiis, who snapped up the rights, and director Roger Vadim, who adapted it for the screen in 1968. Elements like Barbarella's captured mole machine and her sexual encounter with a deceased rebel's robot are both omitted from the movie. The rest of the movie, however, is very faithful to the comic. The original author, Jean-Claude Forest, based Barbarella on Brigitte Bardot, famous French actress and 50 sex symbol. Bardot was asked to play the title role, but she said she didn't want to play sexy roles anymore. It was at this point that the now iconic role went to Jane Fonda, wife of director Roger Vadim. That's right, they're married, or at least they were at the time. For her role in the movie, the New York Times labeled Fonda the most iconic sex goddess of the 60s. Getting to the movie, the scenes during the opening credits where Barbarella seems to float around her spaceship were filmed by having Jane Fonda lie on a huge piece of plexiglass with a picture of the spaceship underneath her. It was filmed from above, creating the illusion that she's in zero gravity. See, I always thought it was wires or something, but I guess wire technology didn't really come into prominence until later. 
Jane Fonda said in an interview that she had to get a little Dutch courage in her to work up the nerve to strip naked for the scene during the opening credits, even though she had filmed nude scenes in some of her previous films. During the film, Barbarella travels to the evil city of Sogo. The name is a reference to the biblical cities of Sodom and Gomorrah put together. In the labyrinth of the city, Barbarella asks Pygar where she can find Professor Ping. At that point, the background sounds are taken from the soundtrack of Forbidden Planet from 1956, which we'll definitely cover during the decades dive for the 50s. Those background sounds being when the invisible monster is leaving footprints as it nears the space cruiser. Mathmos, the evil substance that lurks beneath the city, is the name of a company specializing in the design and manufacture of lava lamps. Apparently, the idea of a sea of lava inspired the UK company that made lava lamps to change their name from Crestworth to Mathmos. Dildano, the leader of the rebellion, has an interesting vibe and an even more interesting secret password for their organization. Oof, I'm about to butcher this, but... It's the name of a real village in Wales, United Kingdom. They have, like, the most consonants per word, I think, ever. Uh, it's also the United Kingdom's longest place name, putting Bellinghamwoodshire to shame. French mime Marcel Marcot had his first speaking role in the film industry as Professor Ping. Comparing Ping to his stage persona Bip the Clown and Harpo Marx, he said that he did not forget the lines, but I have trouble organizing them. It's a different way of making what's inside come out. It goes from the brain to the vocal cords and not directly to the body. As I mentioned throughout the synopsis portion of the interview, Barbarella had several outfit changes throughout the movie, seven in total, lending plenty of inspiration to pop culture, notably as the look of Felicity Shagwell played by Heather Graham in Mike Myers' sequel Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, along with a bit of Ursula Andress's character in Dr. No thrown in, according to the costume designer of the 1999 comedy. Despite the film's poor box office performance and scathing reviews, Vadim was keen to make a Barbarella sequel. In his later years, he died in 2000, Vadim had been trying to mount a reboot with actress Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks who played Audrey Horn, and Drew Barrymore at the top of his list to play the title role. Other reboot versions of Barbarella were proposed in the 2000s, and director Robert Rodriguez was interested in developing a version. Universal Pictures planned to produce the film with Rose McGowan playing Barbarella. Dino and Martha De Laurentiis signed on with writers Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. When the film's budget exceeded $80 million, Universal, however, withdrew. Rodriguez then searched for alternate financing and found a studio in Germany which would provide a $70 million budget. But Rodriguez eventually left the project since using that studio would require a long separation from his family. After many failed attempts at making either a sequel or reboot of the film, Sony Pictures would move on to produce a remake in October of last year. On October 11, 2022, it was announced that a remake of the film under Sony was in the works, with Euphoria actress Sydney Sweeney playing the lead role and executively producing. Now, before we wrap up these facts, I think it's important to get into how Barbarella gets interpreted through the lens of sexual empowerment, so I'll be reading from an article I found on girlsdofilm.com. Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy, is a conundrum. On first watch, it's camp sci-fi romp that exploits the talents of Jane Fonda, from the spacesuit strip tease that accompanies the opening credits to the revealing costumes. But a second viewing suggests that despite the trashy, softcore stance, Barbarella is an empowered female astronaut who attracts, and is attracted to, both men and women, and always, if you'll pardon the pun, comes out on top. In terms of gender roles, it's a movie with limitations, but considering the era in which it was made, 
It's surprisingly progressive. At the time, the male-led space race was at the forefront of many cinema-goers' minds. Barbarella was an alternative, a female astronaut who was sexy, single, and political, a highly dangerous combination for the time. Both the film with its wooden dialogue and shag pile sets and Fonda's wide-eyed performance are often criticized. It's often regarded as one of Fonda's worst performances and much of Barbarella errs on the side of ridicule, a nude meeting with space station commanders, mechanical dolls with razor-sharp teeth, an evil lesbian queen, and, of course, Barbarella's ability to sleep her way around the galaxy. There is a lot of sex, and a lot of it's very cliched, but in the main, Barbarella retains control. She isn't stripping for anyone apart from the camera in the opening credits. This is something she indulges in for herself. Her initial rejection of Mark Hand, who she meets when her ship crash lands, is based on her practical earthbound experience of sex, which involves psychocardiograms, pills, and hand-holding. The flip side of control is torture, and Barbarella experiences this too through actions that are designed to keep her in check. She's attacked by vampire children, held captive in a glass dome filled with angry birds, and placed in the ultimate chamber of death. Each torture is designed to keep her in check and emphasize her vulnerability, but her survival instinct, coupled with her ability to read political and social situations, ensures she triumphs over her captors again and again, even if her outfits do end up in tatters each time. Of course, dressing Barbarella in any other way would have undermined the blonde bimbo sexpot stereotype that Vadim was keen to create. But the fact that she actually enjoys sex and does it for personal pleasure is interesting. Is it a comment on women's sexual liberation or a cheap joke to garner controversy? In truth, probably the latter, but viewing Barbarella from a contemporary angle where female characters are still often expected to conform to male-dictated ideals of sexual desire, she starts to look almost progressive. Almost. My thanks go out to the uncredited author of that assessment at girlsdofilm.com. Now, of course, this is just one assessment of the film, with Jane Fonda herself saying, quote, For a long time, I couldn't even look at it. I thought that it was politically incorrect, you know. But I can look at it now and laugh at it and find it very charming. I like doing something that caused a certain generation of men to have their first erections. But then I became an activist. This movie was made before Fonda's politicization and maturation and the evolution of her political persona. Fonda has been arrested on several occasions protesting against injustices and championing various causes and movements. She's become the definition of a badass woman. Now, since there isn't any real hard science associated with the topic at hand, I'll be foregoing a water cooler fact for this episode in favor of thanking my sources, which include archive.org for hosting a free high-quality version of the film, Keep up the good work there, folks. Uh, we've also got IMDb, GrindhouseDatabase.com, Deadline.com, MovieWeb.com, GirlsDoFilm.com, and of course Wikipedia.com. Because if it's on Wikipedia, you know it's from the 401st century. They've got everything in the future. Although originally it takes place in an undetermined future, apparently Barbarella is set in the 401st century, so go figure. Looking at next week's episode, we have a double feature coming your way with a look at both Judge Dredd and Robocop with guest comedian James Wood. We're taking down the system one authoritarian dystopia at a time. Catch that episode airing Tuesday, February 7th from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio.
Download the Shady Pines Radio app for Android or iOS or visit us online at ShadyPinesRadio.com any old time for some rad content from equally rad humans right here in Portland, Oregon. If you're looking to get your funny fix around town, make sure to stop by LaughsPDX.com. It's your online resource for all things comedy in Portland. Seriously, there's an awesome mic or show every night of the week. We have an amazing community of super funny people who deserve your attention and monies, so go give them both and get some serotonin out of the deal while you're at it. Here's a bit for free, you know, just to give you a taste. Check out Emily June at the Helium Comedy Club dosing out some ha-has. Hey guys, anyone got any prostate milk? my coffee in the mornings. Um, yeah, so I'm turning uh, on, on Friday. I'm turning 30 <laughs> on Friday. Um, yeah, uh, let me tell you how old I'm turning. Last week, a uh, fellow comic told me that I looked like a middle school teacher that used to buy weed from him. <laughs> and I took it hard. I took it to heart because that is exactly what I fucking look like. <laughs> I was like, no! Ironically, a few years ago, um, another another comic before I even did comedy, female comedian, she was like, "I know, I know, you're one of those kind of girls," and she like called me a slut on stage, and I was like, "How dare she?" But now I'm like, "I wish people would call me a slut again." <laughs> oh my god, I don't have no fucking haters anymore. Go to the gym, you know. There was one time at my point, I used to have abs, you know, before the pandemic and knee surgery, I used to have abs and haters. Go to the gym's like, what do you want? It's like, I want girls to be less nice to me again. I miss those days. <laughs> I really, I really, really miss those days. Another thing that happens when you start to get older is you go through a second puberty. My first puberty, I had a jet black hair that grew out of my chin. And my grandma's French Canadian. So I was like, Grandma? Holy shit. And my grandma passed a few years ago. And so I was in the bathtub, and there was a jet black hair that grew up out of my nipple area, and I was like, oh my God, Grandma! I love you! And Lenny, like, I fucking love my Grandma. She's sassy as shit. Like, she, she used to get her hair done every week when she was at the old folks' home, and she would go out of there, and the guy at the front counter would be like, what are you, trying to pick up dudes? And my Grandma, at like 96, would say, what are you, afraid of that competition? So yeah, I'm really, really proud to have my Grandma's nipple hair. Like, I am so proud. Like, I let it, I don't pluck it out of respect. And, you know, uh, you know, a guy goes down there, I say, hey, say hi to Grandma. Oh, Oh, wait, you got a problem with Grandma? You got a problem with my fucking family. Get out of here. Yeah, um, another interesting thing about when you start to get older in dating is, uh, for me, is you, uh, you stop taking birth control to kind of stack the deck in your favor, you know? <laughs> you want to have sex without a condom? Maybe you'll pull out, maybe you won't. Wormhole of opportunity down there. I see, uh, I see a lot of nervous fellas in the audience. That's why you wear a fucking condom! <laughs> state is blue, she still might keep it. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I've had two abortions. I've had two abortions, both of them real lifesavers, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Oh, God. Glad I can have those, you know? Um, so, 
I've been single for three years. Been single for three years, which is good because you can't catch the right dick if you're holding on to the wrong one. You can't. I have so many girlfriends. They just grasp on to that wrong dick for dear life while the good dicks just woo right by them, you know? You know? Ladies, our vaginas are not Chinese finger traps. Like, you can push those dad dicks out and let him in, you know? There are good dicks that'll text you back. You have daddy issues. Let that bad dick go, I swear to God. Oh, well, dating in Portland is hard. There's fucking dicks out of town. There's dicks out of town. You just wait. For me, I am, you know, I'm not on any dating apps. I like to, I like to wait in the bear like a river, you know? <laughs> And if I just, you know, work on myself, then, like, you know, a dick will come along like a beautiful dick salmon and jump up into my hands and then into my mouth, and I'll live happily ever after. It does get lonely, though. It does get lonely. Um, you know, someone gave me a nice tender hug at the last show I did, and, you know, it was like one of those chest, like, low back things, and um, I legit jerked off to that the next day. <laughs> Just keep that in mind if you hug me. I am saving that shit for later. <laughs> I, uh, I am. Um, the thing is, I know you're looking at me and you're like, that girl's pretty enough. She could catch a dick. She could catch a dick. Oh, she could catch one. Here's the thing. Your guys' dicks get way too fucking soft. I'm sorry. Your guys' dicks are fickle. They get topped way too easy. All I gotta do is just like an old Instagram photo. <laughs> Smell your armpit. <laughs> Don't ask why I smell this armpit, okay? <laughs> All right, it's just your dicks are fickle. And here's the thing, even if you can keep the dick hard enough to get inside you, which could happen for me one day. I'm just gonna find that one magical golden dick that'll stay hard through my awkwardness, that's all. <laughs> um, but like, then it's like, you know, like I wanna put it on the first date. Holy shit, I haven't been laid in nine months. I wanna fuck you so bad, but I know. I have to give you a mountain to climb, you know? You can't put out too easy, you know? You give a guy a vagina mound, he'll roll back down the hill. <laughs> Text you in two weeks past 2 a.m. Sup, YWD. <laughs> you give him a vagina mountain to climb, you make him Indiana Jones, that shit. He's gotta duck his way out of a fucking boulder. He's gotta take a leap of faith. You know, he gets to the top and he finds the golden artifact in your vagina. He's more likely to stay. Here's the thing. I want to get dicked for a while. I don't want like a two-pack dick. I want a Costco supply of dick. <laughs> I want like a fucking, like, I don't know, fucking pandemic toilet paper whore dick. Like, I want two to six months of solid dick. So I know that like, I can't, you can't do it. Like, you guys do this to us, okay? You, it's, it's not me, all right? And if anybody, you know, has a Costco supply of dick, just please, please let me know. So, yeah. Anyway, that is my time. Thank you guys so much. You're listening to ShadyPinesRadio.com. Here's the lineup for Tuesday. Starting at 8 a.m., Science Factual with Reese Hendrick. At 9 a.m., Emotional Weather Report with Jamie Stewart. Beat Salad with Mason O'Brien at 11 a.m. At noon, The Blue Hour with Blue Corbidae. Northwest Comedy Hour with Emily June at 1 p.m. At 2 p.m., The Prague Hour with Reagan Lindy. 
your own private PDX with DJ Squiffy at 3 p.m. At 4 p.m., Cosmic Taco Beach Shack with Big Papa Warrior. At 5 p.m., Natural Facts with DJ Whiskey Soda. At 6 p.m., Anything New with Shorty L. Toasty Tunes with Alex Toast at 7 p.m. At 8 p.m., Radio Seance with Your Psychic Friends. At 9 p.m., Fresh Unoriginal with DJ Wineglass. Turntable Talk with Chili and Bass at 10 p.m. And at 11 p.m., Taking Drugs to Play Music to Take Drugs to with Shampoo Douglas. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Pines Radio. Meet the most beautiful creature of the future. Her name is Barbarella, and she makes science fiction something else. Jane Fonda is Barbarella. Barbarella is a five-star, double-rated astro-navigatrix Earth girl whose specialty is... Love! Shall I tell you what I would like? I think I know. Her top-secret mission is a real wing-dinger. Dramatic situations begin with screaming. Could you hand me a garment? See Barbarella do her thing with the nice angel. With the warm, friendly ice man. With a cold, evil black queen. Hello, pretty, pretty. With a charming hand-to-hand Romeo. See Barbarella do her thing in the wild, excessive machine. Sort of nice, isn't it? Biting birdcage, in the chamber of dreams, in the labyrinth of love, in the deadly dollhouse, in the palace of pleasure. in space with Barbarella.